Hello and welcome to Tales with Gnomes, where we talk about mythological beings, their tales old and new. I'm Cody. And I'm Olga. This week, we will be talking about griffins in the Mananangal. Yes. Griffins. I'm sorry, real quick. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited for this because I don't know a whole lot about griffins. And um, I'm curious if they are just as like strangely changed as like the zombies were for example because i was really shocked right. by the zombies last week yeah i don't think they're as changed as the zombies i don't it's it's hard to describe until we read the notes you'll okay. understand what I'm let's find out yeah the sorcerer and the griffin on a lush and fruitful valley there was a kingdom surrounded by towering mountains and on the tallest peak there lived a griffin named aria she was a mighty beast with a head, wings, and talons of an eagle, and with a, the body and hindquarters of a lion. Her white feathers and fur glistened in the sun with a beautiful golden sheen. Arya prided herself with the protection of the kingdom below her and the land's gold in the mountains. One day the kingdom was threatened by an all-powerful dark sorcerer named Malark. He wished to enslave the inhabitants and forced them to mine the mountains. Malark dreamt of being the richest and most powerful king in all the lands. He planned to use this kingdom and its gold to take over many more kingdoms. With dark clouds above creating a dangerous storm of rain, lightning, and high winds, Malark and his dark forces marched towards the kingdom. The king sent out his army and only leather armor to fight Malark's forces and sent out a single messenger raven to Arya pleading for assistance. Arya had just come out of her cave gazing at the ominous storm when the raven landed on a branch nearby. A battle has begun below with the dark sorcerer Marlark. Please, will you help us maintain our home and lands? The raven relayed its master's message, and without hesitation, Arya flew off the mountain and towards the battle below. The wind whipped and whistled around Arya, but her powerful wings flew her true, and Arya dodged the lightning as it struck down, picking up speed. As she got closer to the ground, she grabbed one of the dark figures in her talons and ripped it apart, and dropped it to the ground as she flew up to take aim at another enemy. As she dispensed of many of the dark fiends in this manner, she gazed over the battlefield looking for the sorcerer. She spotted a figure with a staff raised to the sky and arms busy flitting about. He was surrounded by five larger figures who appeared to be protecting him. Arya knew at once this must be Malark. She flew up and dove towards one of the larger figures, grabbing him in her talons and piercing their abdomen. She soared up into the air with her victim and dropped him. He landed on two of the other figures guarding Malark. She made to dive again at the two other guards, but Malark had noticed her and struck down with lightning. Arya narrowly dodged this lightning, feeling the static in the air, but her course was thrown off, so instead she landed to fight. The two guards leapt towards her to attack. She batted one of them to the side with a sharp talon, but the other managed to cut her shoulder with its dark blade. 
Arya roared and snatched the dark being with her beak and threw him into the air. The lightning bolt meant for Arya hit the dark being, shattering his form. The last dark guard rose and attacked. With the agility of her lion legs, Arya easily dodged and then pounced on the guard, talons piercing its shadowy form. All that remained was Malark, and Arya could smell the fear rolling off of him. She leapt towards him, and he fell back, dropping his staff. Malark raised her his arms. Please, please, I don't want to die. And with a jerk of his fist down to the ground, a lightning zipped down between them. The light had been blinding, and it took a moment for Arya to be able to see again. Once she was able to see, Malark had fled in the opposite direction, leaving his horses and the staff behind. Arya stepped forward towards the staff and broke it in two with her powerful beak. This ended the storm, and all the dark forces faded and blew away in the dying wind. Arya jumped up into the air and flew for Malark. He was still running as she picked him up in her talons and flew him to the castle. She set him down in the courtyard where the castle's guard was already armed and beginning to surround the sorcerer. Justice was delivered swiftly to the dark sorcerer Malark, and Arya was thanked greatly for her heroism and protection of the land. Her cave was decorated with newly, newly gathered treasure and a broken staff. Arya was happy as she curled into her nest to heal from her wound, knowing her land was once again safe. Bravo, bravo. And she got the staff as a as like a trophy. Yeah, like a commemorative was, trophy. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Sounds like a really formidable foe. Like the whole time I was like, man, that's like almost literally death from above. Like I wouldn't want to be on the wrong end of a griffin. No, I wouldn't want to either. They got the talons, the the lion's strength, the giant wings. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and like the beak. Mm-hmm. Well, and I Super. I imagined the beak having a strong bite because of the the lion, but also just the size of it. Mm-hmm. Like the lion's strength is throughout it. Yeah, not just in the liony bits. Yeah, for sure. All right, and here's some tidbits yes, as you please. like to say <laughs> do i say that a lot yeah <laughs> it's pretty cute i like it <laughs> let's get the bits the bits uh the legendary creature is said to have the head wings and talons of a giant eagle and the body hindquarters and tail of a lion meshing the king of birds and the king of beasts sorry unicorn uh-huh. into one creature <laughs> making them very powerful some say they even had ears of horses, which oh. I did see a few depictions. There have been descriptions of griffins found on jars, Egyptian <laughs> tombs <laughs> dating back to the Nakwada second period around 3500 BC. There are fresco f- frescoes of chained up griffins in the Minoan ruins of Taladaba dating back to 1500 bc so like the first one was like 3500 bc yeah so wow. that's like 5000 something they're years like, ago they're old mm-hmm. they've been around for a day or two yeah dang <laughs> as we can see they are represented in many cultures egyptian per- persian indian and other many other european countries 
They are used in coats, arms, and flags. I was going to look it up. I don't know what the difference between a coats and arms is. I thought it was a coat of arms. Hmm. I was confused when I saw that, and I forgot to look it up. So if you know, listeners, yes, please do tell us. Enlighten us. But now that I'm really thinking about it and I think of a coat of arms, I just see like a coat with many arms. <laughs> like a jacket. Like an octopus jacket. Oh, many arms, not mini arms. <laughs> oh, mi- mini arms are, is even more cute. <laughs> I love both of those styles of jacket. <laughs> Um, Griffins are powerful and wise. They are thought to guard treasure and gold. Also thought to be protectors against evil, slander, and witchcraft. They were known to be very loyal with their partners. If one of them were to die, the other would never get another partner, remaining alone until they passed too. Hmm. This thought made them the symbol for monogamy. Especially like when Christianity come in and they're like, you shouldn't remarry. That's weird. Don't do that. Oh, so they, they were like, do like griffins do. Yeah. Much. <laughs> <laughs> For seeming to be everywhere, they seem to be more of a symbol and don't have a lot of stories about them. But the ones they do have make them sound more real than myth. In 77 AD, Pliny the Elder which I think we've heard from before, (laughs) said they would uncover gold veins in the process of making their home a burrow in the mountainside. Some believed in these homes they would make nests and weave gold into their nests. So they would follow a a vein of gold in the mountainside? I don't know if they would follow it. I think they just ended up finding one. Is oh. what it kind of sounded like. And gold's pretty soft. It would make sense that it'd be easy to make like a... It does. Yeah, yeah. you just dig right through it and you wouldn't even... And then wouldn't ha- break a talon. Ah. <laughs> and then the, you have like a pile of treasure to start your hoard with. Yeah, they kind of seem a little dragon-esque to me because they do guard treasure and like gold and all that i'm like oh that's interesting i had the same thought and i just didn't want to interrupt you because you were like in the flow and i was like (laughs) just like a dragon yeah well thanks for not interrupting i guess you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) and herodotus books histories he says the arimanspian a group of one-eyed men stole gold from the griffins and would brag about having the most gold this group of people would attack griffins using horses, and that may be why there are depictions of them attacking and killing horses. Hmm. Sometimes the griffins would get along with horses and mate, creating a hippogriff as their offspring. This union is said to be rare. What? Yeah, so I got a little extra lore in there. <laughs> we'll have to do the hippogriff separate. Yeah, for sure. But yeah oh okay in the middle ages they claimed the griffin's claws had medical properties and would use the horn of an ibex as stand-in and then griffin eggs were also said to ward off poison following suit they would use an ostrich egg instead it just kind of reminds me like there's so many bones of holy people in I think there was even a few uh, unicorn horns that were actually like narwhal uh, teeth. 
Yeah. The lies. I don't It's like, why? Why bother pretending that this thing is a thing? Yeah. To make yourself feel better. <laughs> I, I imagine it being similar to like you going away to a faraway land and you want to make your story, your adventure more exciting than what it was like oh well i went there i traded my goods and i came back oh uh, that's so it's not like very a souvenir fun. maybe it's like, <laughs> like a well, false I, souvenir yeah kind of like a um, fishing tale mm, yeah know, where like, the, the the story of the fish gets bigger and bigger and bigger and, and bigger <laughs> the big one got away <laughs> yeah. instead of like oh well i went fishing and i sat there and i was so bored and got eaten by mosquitoes and now i'm here and i i bring back one fish Right. Yeah. Instead, it's like I, I saw the thing because <laughs> that's real. <laughs> <laughs> but instead, it's like, well, I went over there and I traded my goods, but also my ship almost got sunk by this huge thing. It was crazy. And then you, your goods become more valuable, maybe. Yeah. Instead of just running into a storm, you ran into a kraken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, the Grimm brothers wrote down a story involving a griffin. Of course, they did. Who seemed to know everything unknowingly helping three people with his all-knowing knowledge the griffin in the tale could also smell christians <gasps> and would eat them what <laughs> thought that was so funny <laughs> i had to say it i read this whole story because at the beginning it was like there was no griffin there I, I, where's the griffin i gotta right. get to the griffin and they they had him like a talking griffin who was married to a woman apparently Whoa. And the hero of the story was laying underneath the griffin's bed. And the woman was asking the questions that the man wanted to ask because the man was a Christian. But the griffin like uh. comes into the house. He's like, I smell a Christian. Oh, my God. And the wife is like, oh, yeah, there was one today and he left. Ooh. <laughs> sneaky, sneaky wife. <laughs> no, I smell him. Not only on you, but right. like literally under you. <laughs> right. Well, and then in the middle of the night, the the guy pulls out one of the feathers of the tail, and the griffin wakes up, and he's like, "I smell Christian." Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? She's like, "Oh, nothing. Just he was here later today, earlier today, and he left." <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's a funny. Um, that's an interesting attribute to add to the creature. Yeah, I don't know if it's, like, everywhere, because it was the only, only instance of it that being its power, as wow. it were. But you saying that he was married to, or the griffin was married to a woman, made me think, what would happen if a griffin and a centaur mated? Like, what baby would they have if a griffin and a horse made a hippogriff? It'd be like a whole new thing. It'd be. Would it be like a hippogriff, but with a human head? Yeah. So it would be like a a center griff. Center griff. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. (laughs) We must get this into the history books. Get the lore books out. (laughs) Get the lore books out. Everyone must know. There are center griffs. In Montana. Oh, God. <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> oh, like, oh, I'm not leaving the house. No. They can fly <laughs> out from anywhere and just say, hi. <laughs> yeah. They would, they would, like, spout 
hurtful words at you first before like attacking well I, I don't know because um <laughs> griffins are against slander so <laughs> oh that's fair okay <laughs> so only truthful hurtful yeah words. only truthful <laughs> hurtful words <laughs> sorry uh, but yeah they're um their story kind of gets muddled with what everyone takes yeah i like the uh the addition of the grim brothers <laughs> yeah i did too That's the random I had to mention it. thing that they <laughs> added to them well and the, the, their protectors of gold you can see like so many banks over in europe have the griffin as a like a mascot as per se or, yeah that's um, true you know and then the coat of arms they're protecting the family and yeah i just thought it was interesting um that they didn't really have anything like lore wise except for protection that really stuck around yeah i find it interesting the fact that they don't have a huge history of change or stories they just exist as an accepted part of our stories like it doesn't take very many stories to make them a lasting creature in our in our minds in our minds yeah well and i guess um they were trying to explain where the idea of the hippogriff came from and it's um they were thinking it was from a dinosaur fossil that was found on the silk road but the silk Ooh. road didn't come into play until much later but also the dinosaur is the one with the like it's got like the beak for a mouth but it also has like a giant shield up on its head i can't remember what it's called oh but i don't think you would come up with an eagle head with that shield with the shield involved. yeah well i mean fossils are kind of iffy because i mean just looking at like i don't know if you've seen the meme about the the hippo skull the way it looks without all of the fleshy flesh stuff on mm -hmm. it and they're like okay this is the skull and then this is what the archaeologist depicts mm -hmm. and it's like this grotesque creature and then the last picture says oh and this is the actual animal and it's a cute hippo yeah they also did that with <laughs> um the elephant and it was so weird because it they almost made like a a, a cyclops, cyclops because yeah. the nose the nose, the nose formations yeah the sinus cavity there mm -hmm. is so big yeah so like and now that they're coming out with all these new things about dinosaurs the fact that they have feathers instead of scales and t-rex didn't sound the way that we know t-rex to have sounded but well it's it's interesting the new stuff that they're coming out yeah there's so. so much technology that can come out now and like the more we are discovering and also just pulling our heads out of our butts. I mean, yeah, honestly, <laughs> you look at a, a skull and you try to draw a human even like onto that form. That thing would be scary looking. Yeah, because like the cartilage of the nose obviously doesn't get preserved yeah. or the ears. And, and so the, like the, the muscles on your cheek and yeah, like, your temple and like all this other random stuff, you would just look like a gaunt like Voldemort. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you look like Voldemort. Don't say his name. Um, you know who. 
<laughs> Actually, have no fear of words. I don't have the, fear the, the, of words. It's the okay. fear of the word only. I stumble something, upon something. them no matter what. The fear of the item itself. Speaking of fear, my story and my creature is incredibly frightening. I'm excited to learn about this or uh, hear about it too. This creature. I'm going to get the creepy crawlies. I just knew it. <laughs> I really wanted to do justice for the creature. So I um, wrote a scary story for it. And I have to preface it with a trigger warning um, for child loss. So if anybody doesn't want to partake in this journey, you can fast forward to the information part of this. So it's a story. I don't make titles for my stories. I'm not fancy like you, Cody. So it's just <laughs> Mananungal story. I really just throw something <laughs> at it. I'm like, that will stick. <laughs> stick. In the depths of the Philippine rainforest, where the night shadows clung to the trees like dark spirits, the village of San Juan teetered on the brink of unspeakable horror. Elena was here, an enchantress cloaked in beauty, was the harbinger of a nightmare that twisted the very fabric of reality. Isabella, heavy with child, watched with trepidation as the long shadows grew short and more lifelike. She's heard rumors that a Mananangal was making its way across the jungle, traveling from village to village. It was only a matter of time before her village was next. The moonrise brought with it an ominous weight, casting a pale glow into her bedroom. In time, the air grew thick with an otherworldly tension, and the jungle's chorus of nocturnal creatures fell silent, as if in dread of what was about to unfold. Elena, with a haunting grace, emerged from the depths of the jungle surrounding the usually peaceful village. Her eyes, once filled with an alluring charm, now glowed with an unholy, unearthly, insatiable hunger. As Elena took a deep breath in, the very earth seemed to quiver in anticipation of the terror that was about to be unleashed upon San Juan. Isabella, paralyzed by a deep fear, gazed out of her window just in time to witness the transformation that ensued. Elena's body contorted and twitched with a sickening snapping and squishing sound. The body appeared to tear itself asunder. A pair of leathery wings jerked into view and slowly unfolded, twitching slightly before stretching out. The grisly wings brought the top half of what was once Elena into the air and left the legs and lower torso behind. The creature's form cast grotesque shadows upon the village walls as it stretched and appeared to pause, reveling in its freedom from the constraints of the human form. The Mananangal descended upon the village with an unearthly grace and speed, eager to feast. Isabella, her senses heightened by terror, wondered if she and her fetus would survive the night. Knowing the Mananangal likes to feast on the innocence of the unborn the most. The whole village, usually teeming with life, now seemed to cower in dread as the abomination approached. 
the creature's elongated tongue a truly grotesque appendage slithered through the crevices of the village's humble abodes as the creature glided from home to home looking for a meal the air turned rancid with the stench of death the screams echoed all around isabella she clutched her swollen belly her arms now a fortress protecting the life growing within as the Mananangal's ravenous hunger raked across the village and creeped closer and closer to her. Outside, the village echoed with a telltale tick, 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 a symphony of madness made by the creature's wings as it flew all around the village. The closer the screams got to Isabella's home, the quieter grew the tick, tick. It made her very confused. Her brain didn't know whether the creature was getting closer or further away. The Mananangal, fueled by an insatiable thirst for blood, circled like a vengeful specter, undeterred by mortal attempts to defy its temporary supernatural reign over the village. As the night dragged on, San Juan became a graveyard of shattered spirits and broken promises of life to be born. Each pregnant villager or couple in love was terrorized by the looming terror of the Mananangal. The once vibrant community now withered in fear, and the air thick with the unrelenting tick, tick, tick. A sound that Isabella now could barely hear. With lightning speed and otherworldly precision, the Mananangal thrust its tongue into Isabella's hut through a gap around the window in her bedroom. A gut-wrenching cry tore from Isabella's throat, a primal wail that echoed through the village. On the other end of the village, the tick-tick of the wings intertwined with her anguished screams, creating a symphony of despair that reverberated through the jungle. The Mananangal, indifferent to the agony it inflicted, reveled in the stolen life force from Isabella's womb. Its demonic laughter echoed through the night like a macabre lullaby. The pain Isabella felt was indescribable and unrelenting. The mere minutes it took for the Mananangal to rob her of her child-to-be felt like a century to her. In the aftermath, Isabella lay broken, her eyes empty vessels, drained of hope. She couldn't move. She could barely breathe. If she just didn't blink, maybe this night would stay a nightmare that happened to someone else. Maybe none of this was real, was a lie she kept telling herself as she lay in her bed silence finally cloaking her. The stillness of the night didn't provide her with any consolation. It was only a finality. The legend of Elena, the enchantress turned winged abomination, etched itself into the collective nightmares of the villages. San Juan now joined countless other villages in being a cautionary tale. Well, <laughs> I didn't like that. I'm sorry. It's okay. I couldn't think of any other way to do justice to the creature, though. No, there's yeah, nothing, you definitely have to. There was nothing good, nothing nothing else about the creature other than just the devastation that it left behind. Yeah. Sorry for that. That's <laughs> no, okay. It's gotta be done every once in a while. It's gotta be done. So... Here is more information about the creature, then you guys will know why I wrote the story that I did. 
The word mananangal comes from the Tagalog root word tangal, which means to remove or to separate. And literally, it translates as remover or separator. Um, a quick side note, Tagalog is an Austronesian language spoken as a first language by the ethnic Tagalog people uh, who make up a quarter of the population of the Philippines. Oh, cool. And it's a se and uh, Tagalog is a second language to um, the majority of the remaining citizens there. Hmm. So that was kind of cool. Did not know that. No, I didn't either. So back to the Mananangal. <laughs> In the case of the creature, the word means one who separates itself. So the Mananangal is a mythical creature in the Philippines that is able to separate its upper torso from the lower part of its body and the legs. Creepy. Does uh, it just have like entrails hanging from it? Yeah. Yeah. Ew. It's just like dangling tidbits. That makes my stomach <laughs> feel a certain way. Yeah, right? <laughs> That's a very nice way to put that. <laughs> Some people believe a black chick, like a ba like baby bird, um, lives inside of the mananangal. The chick eats the innards of the host while keeping them alive. Others believe you can turn yourself into a mananangal by chanting a special incantation, anointing yourself with various oils, and putting an egg that contains a black chick inside of it into your armpit until it disappears. That is an odd ritual. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to just put this egg in my armpit and hope it doesn't break. Yeah, like I was on board with the ritual right up until the egg armpit part. Yeah, that's, that's a bit weird. Yeah. And so, um, it, hundred though, all of that aside, it beats me why you would want to bring the curse yeah, upon why yourself would you, in the first why place. Why would you want to become that? Yeah. Um, some legends say the nightly transformation is not voluntary. Um, and that there's no agreement on that one way or the other either. So by day, they are a human with no markings or detectable way of picking them out of a crowd. Sometimes they do were... Do they know themselves? The, the, some stories say they do know and they really dread that. And they mm. live with... They have to... And they remember what the Mananangal does at night. Mm. And they have to live with that. I don't and, know if I could. Right? I, I don't know if I could either. Especially having a daughter, you yeah, know. Yeah, being a mom, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> and um, so by day, oh, uh, sorry. Sometimes they are a beautiful lady, and other lore describes them as an older hag-like woman. Um, certain legends, uh, it is said that the Mananangal is a cursed woman who was actually punished by the gods for her wickedness. But none of that matters because by night they transform into this horrid separated creature with bat-like wings their head is very goblin-esque no hair big pointy ears mouth filled with sharp pointy teeth and um, the proboscis tongue to add to as a cherry on top yeah that's, <laughs> that's intense yeah. i would not want to come upon that in the night no or have it come upon me in or the upon night. you because yeah. then you know you're chosen yeah oh thank you you're if you come upon it you'd, you'd probably have a higher chance of surviving i imagine because it's like oh i'm sniffing you you're not interesting to me so i'm gonna keep maybe i don't know maybe, i, don't, yeah. I didn't get any information on that mm. 
Um, so their transformed appearance gives them somewhat of a vampire-like appearance. As long as you ignore the obvious lack of legs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the no legs thing. Oh. And in my opinion, they're, they're definitely... Well, and then are they dripping blood, too? Um, Sorry. <laughs> from the entrails? Yeah. I, I would imagine, you know, it can't be just... It's got to be squishy as they're <sighs> flying around. Yeah. Maybe and that's what the ticking is. <laughs> yeah, the, it's not the wings at all. <laughs> it's the blood dripping. Sorry, I keep no, you're, you're fine. No, it's it's all good. And so, um, also in my opinion, I think they're definitely lacking in the sex appeal department. Oh God, yeah. Unlike no. the modern vampires of the, you okay, know, these yeah, days. The modern, yeah. <laughs> so basically, if the Mananongal relied on you inviting into your house the way a vampire does. In order to get its meal, would starve. they would definitely starve. Yeah. Like, hard pass. Thanks, but no thanks. I'm not, you're not getting in my house. <laughs> that is so just, the image in my head is not pleasant. And I'm imagining it's probably pretty close to what it is. <laughs> it's, yeah, if if you can imagine as bad as it, as bad as it being, it, pretty much it, that's how bad it gets. Now, are they normally women? I, I think yeah. you did say that. Okay. Yeah, they're um, almost always. I didn't come across any lore saying that they were gonna, any of them were men, rep- reportedly. Hmm. Um, they're absolute. so obviously they're absolutely terrifying to behold. Their choice of meal makes them even more scary. They like to drink the blood and life essence of pregnant women while they sleep. But if they can't have the fetus or a newborn, they 100% prefer that. And they don't care if you're asleep or not at that point. And so the sources write that they'll even prey upon newlyweds or couples in love. But no matter their meal choice by night, um, most lore says that they'll feast upon you while you're sleeping. Which makes me glad for my insomnia for months. You're not getting me. I'm not falling asleep. I'm not falling asleep. You can't eat me. Oh, geez. Most of the legends um, and first encounter stories, which there's plenty of, even to this day, oh, wow. um, depict them flying around in the night in search of their prey. When they find their target, they'll stick their tongue through the window or any small crack in your house and um, suck them completely dry sometimes. So they're not really coming into the house they're more like a hummingbird licking licking around in there yeah pretty much they don't ever have to enter Uh, your house or be even near you i don't like that That extra terrifying points yeah so much worse um their presence is usually preceded by a tick 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 um sources are unclear whether it's the sound made by their flapping the flapping of their wings or if it's an actual nocturnal bird called the tick tick that actually does exist that um sometimes is said to accompany their presence what if they're there to warn people yeah yeah that's what i was thinking like imagine living in the philippines where the tick tick lives yeah and you know these stories you grew up with these stories yeah, you'd be terrified any time you heard the tick tick. Yeah, well, at least it's it's loud, so it's not close to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you would hope, but then you hear the one that's like across the neighborhood, and you're like, oh "God." Yeah, if it is the noise that comes from their wings, they make the tick tick sound fainter the closer you, they are to you, just to make you confused and um, more of an easy target. There are some ways that you can 
deter them, thankfully. They don't like garlic, salt, or holy water. Other tools that could be used to keep them somewhat at bay are daggers. They didn't specify the type of metal. Hmm. Um, Light, UV light if possible. Vinegar, spices, and the tail of a stingray fashioned into a whip. That's an odd one. Very specific. Yeah, very specific. <laughs> to keep them away from your house, you should have an uh, you should have uncooked rice, ash, or salt around the house. I presume they can just be in like pots or containers, not just like thrown around. But I'm sure just or not like a line around your house. Right, like they have to like a, sounded like it had to be like an abundant amount. Hmm. Um, it sounds like a like an odd mix of keeping them away is um like vampire lore and um like ghost lore mm-hmm, like a like combination or something yeah yeah um but the best way to defeat the creature and there is one sure way to do so is to find the vulnerable lower half of their body and pour an abundant amount of salt on their exposed body cavity Oh, lovely. And, yeah, and that defeats both both halves of the creature. That makes sense. Permanently. Yeah. Uh, like you can't rejoin with salt salted body, so that makes sense, but horrible. I just I could mean, not imagine coming across just some legs <laughs> standing in the middle of the forest. You're just Imagine coming across some legs and not geez, having salt. And yeah. You're like, oh, Dang it. Should I throw that on my campfire? <laughs> I guess I'll drag these legs with me back home where I have lots of salt. Well, and then that way you at least confuse it so it couldn't come back to its body where it remembered it being. Yeah, that's fair. So then maybe it dies in the morning because it was lost. Because it can't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine it making like lost posters <laughs> missing pair of legs Ma- missing legs please bring back at first light of moon <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but yeah i don't know if what they're tracing is like for finding their lost for legs. their own legs do they have like um locate la- legs app yeah <laughs> echolocation for their, echolocation for their legs, for their legs. <laughs> Oh man, no. But, yeah, and so the they've been in the Philippines forever. They haven't changed from the you know well, almost well, at all, and there's still to this day first encounter stories that people wow put up online all the time, and none of them sound very good. No. So, I imagine if it's um, I wonder if it's something to do if they connect like a miscarriage mm, with yeah early infant loss with that's that what i was kind of like wondering that. too they just like since it is stories and they i mean most women who have a miscarriage you know bleed obviously mm-hmm. horrible experience yeah, i can't imagine like i i hope i didn't make light of that in in my story because like that's uh, to whoever is listening they've been through that uh, my my mm-hmm. sincerest condolences i'm so sorry can't it's hard it's 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 hard because it feels like society doesn't acknowledge it like Mm -hmm. like you just lost something you were like part of your life 
mm-hmm. like you were going to create life you were creating life and then this life is now yeah like there is a mourning period and a lot of people don't recognize that or say enough enough about it yeah, yeah. It's, it's more of like a, a suffer in silence thing i think and it shouldn't be and especially in like our uh, no it shouldn't absolutely yeah and um i just wanted to acknowledge that you're absolutely right (laughs) not just brush over it but also in the society that we live in of go 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 get back to work you know sort of i think people are rushed through their grief grieving process a lot too Mm -hmm. but that was my story and my stuff terrifying terrifying i would hate to have an encounter or (laughs) i mean if i found the legs i would drag them away and put some salt on them but i don't want to come across the legs because that's scary (laughs) well and if i ever visit the philippines i'm i'm imagining i'm and i'm gonna have like a a satchel of salt on my hip wherever i go (laughs) giant like what is the word i'm looking for drawstring bag or no i was imagining like a, a water skin like one with a oh, spout, yeah. so he just like pours <laughs> the salt everywhere. The taxi driver will be like, "Excuse me, ma'am, what is that?" I'm like, don't look at, no, don't, don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's it's for you. It's for it's for flavor. For the, yeah. <laughs> 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 this just drive me to this inconspicuous weird spot. It's it's for flavor. It's, it's, it's for flavor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a barbecue outside. <laughs> it's okay. There's a lot of other scary Filipino legends. Yeah, we'll have to cover more of those. I know there's a lot in Japan too. I want to cover some of those. Looking, I mean, I hate to say I'm looking forward to that, but I I don't know. I like I have a soft spot for the scary stuff. It's a squishy spot. It's squishy. (laughs) Yes. So on that note, on the squishiness, we shall we shall leave everyone. And thank you for joining us this week. Pictures of our subjects will be available on Instagram at Tales with Gnomes. And if you have any requests, questions, or tales of your own, we would love to hear from you. Email us at taleswithgnomes at gmail.com. Maybe your story will be featured. Please subscribe to our podcast and share with your friends. This was Tales with Gnomes. See you next week. Thank you.